Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. It is Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It is time for Friends and Fiction. So let's get rolling. I am Patty Callahan Henry. Oh, you're on mute, Christy. <laughs> I'm Christy Henry. Sorry. Starting off well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kristen Harmel. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, librarians, and readers like you. Tonight, we'll be welcoming Meg Cabot, the author of Enchanted to Meet You. But first, just a quick reminder to check out all the fun things going on in our Friends in Fiction community at friendsinfiction.com. There you will find links to our bookshop.org page where our books and books from our guests, including, of course, Meg, are available at a discount to the Friends in Fiction official two. Okay, I should have, there was a pause there, are available. <laughs> now pause to the Friends, the next thing is the Friends in Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa. Another pause. And to our weekly email newsletter sign up. Pause. <laughs> Throwing it over to Patty. <laughs> <gasps> the pros that we are. What are we, 200 shows later? Oh All right. Gosh. You'll also find a link to our Friends and Fiction Writer's Block podcast, a new episode of which drops every single Friday. On last Friday's episode, Ron and I talked to Margaret Renkel about the comfort of crows. What a book, y'all. She has gorgeous illustrations by her brother inside of it and essays about the natural world. And coming this Friday, you'll hear the episode where Ron and I talk to Karen Kingsbury about Just Once. Yes, that Karen Kingsbury, who has written over 50 novels and has a new movie out. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or directly on our website, pause at friendsandfiction.com. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Over on the book club's Facebook page, the group is reading Bright Lights, Big Christmas, the New York Times bestseller from our very own Mary Kay Andrews. You can join them for that discussion on November 20th and do not miss their Friendsgiving celebration on November 16th. Can you believe that the holidays are approaching so quickly? Didn't we just <laughs> blink and it was the holiday time last year? And oh man, I for all of us, four new releases, so many things happening in our lives. What a year this has been. Wow. Yeah. So much going on. And I know this is an episode that y'all have been clamoring for. Yep. Who do you want? Meg Cabot. Who do you want? Meg Cabot. Yep. So now, without further ado, <laughs> let's welcome Meg Cabot. Meg is a number one New York Times bestselling author of several books. I love how we say several books. Like, I know, like. Like, it sounds like Many. she's written, like, four books. Yeah. Which Why don't you say a buttload? <laughs> a buttload. Technically, a buttload. Tech, that's a technical, technical term. term. Okay. Tech term. For both adults and tweens, teens. 
Her 80 plus buttload of books have sold <laughs> over 25 million copies worldwide. Her Princess Diary series has been published in more than 38 countries and was made into two hit films by Disney. And I am positive she's sitting backstage thinking how professional all of us are in every way. Sure, sure. Meg's numerous other award-winning books include the Mediator series, the Heather Wells Mystery series, and Avalon High, the latter of which was made into a film for Disney Channel. She might not be there when we say she's I know. (laughs) So Meg was born in Bloomington, Indiana, during the Chinese astrological year of the Fire Horse, which I love that. A notoriously unlucky sign, but she learned at an early age that a good storyteller can always give herself a happy ending. She currently lives in Key West with her husband and various cats. Her new book, Enchanted to Meet You, was released earlier this year at the beginning of September, and we are thrilled to finally get Meg Cabot to have her join us on the Friends and Fiction Show. Sean, can you bring Meg on? Oh, good. She's still there. Hey. Hey. Phew, How are you? <laughs> oh, thank you so much for that lovely introduction and for having me. This is great. We are so oh, glad you're joining you. us from Key West. All right. And Enchan- we're going to dive right into this great book. So Enchanted to Meet You is the first in a new series called The Witches of West Harbor. I love that. And in this first one, we meet Jessica Gold was a seamstress living in West Harbor. When she was young, she accidentally cast a spell that went horribly wrong, and now she's been banned from the elusive Council of Witches. Mm. Then Derek, a World Council of Witches member, shows up and says this, you're the chosen one. Mm. From there, everything unfolds inside a town of quirky and fun characters. This novel is being called a witchy rom-com, but I call it pure delight. So can you tell us more, a little bit more about the book and in true friends and fiction fashion, can you tell us what you think it is really about at its heart? (laughs) Oh, thank you, that's so sweet. Um, I think it's really about my daydream that I always had when I was at my day job, that somebody would come in and tell me that I needed to stop everything that I was doing because I was the chosen one and I had to save the world, which is (laughs) what happens to Jessica who's working at her day job in um, the boutique clothing store that she actually owns and um this really handsome mysterious stranger comes in and tells her you know what it's it's all up to you you're the i love chosen one tropes that's one of my favorite tropes and i just wanted to do kind of a feminist girly twist on that with clothes and magic and um a really hot guy who looks like a viking Ooh. I love it. I think when when I was when I was reading it and I was thinking about that question because we ask it of everyone, what do you think it's really about? I think it's in many ways really about her finding her true potential. Thank you. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, she has, she lives in the same town that she was born in. And so she's constantly running into her high school nemesis and all sorts of people, you know, who knew her when she was kind of a screw up. So she has a lot of self-esteem issues although not for everything she's definitely very no, she's pretty confident at the open yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is she's a plus she's size confident. witch who uh is a little sick of the tinder scene i guess in her hometown because <laughs> every she knows everybody she's just like oh god she's done so, until yeah. derek she's done all right exactly done until derek that could be the um sequel <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, they're out there. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> um, this book mixes magic with a real history of witchcraft persecutions. 
And, you know, we love to talk about inspiration. I read that your family inspired this series in more ways than one. I, um, I hear maybe you have a witchy ancestor. Was that the seed of inspiration or was there something else? No, that definitely was it. I found out that I have um, an, an well, I've always known that I had an ancestor who was allegedly a witch, but um, I joined Ancestry and I found out more. And I also started talking to my relatives who remember this, this ancestor. And, um, you know, apparently witchcraft has been in my family for a long time. And I was really mad. I didn't get any ever. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've tr- I tried casting spells. And when I was a kid, I always wanted there to be a snow day. So I wouldn't have to go to school. No, that never worked. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of, once again, threw all my fantasies into this book about what, if I really had magic powers, what I would do. And um, definitely controlling the weather is one of them. <laughs> but it's never worked out for me. Now so, I yeah. read that I read your mother was born on Friday the 13th and you used to wish that she was a witch. Well, she, yeah, her whole family calls her Jinx because she was born on Friday the 13th. So just as a kid, when I found out about witches, I was like, oh yeah, my mom's a witch, but she's not. (laughs) She doesn't, she, she poo-pooed that idea when I brought it up. But then I found out on my dad's side, that's where all the actual witchcraft comes from, even though um, nobody actually has a witchy nickname. So I did actually write an earlier book that was YA called Jinx that was kind of based a little bit on my mom if she really had had (laughs) special powers but no sadly she doesn't but um apparently my father's grandmother who'd be my great-grandmother had the ability to heal people like apparently my dad had warts which is something I don't want to think about but apparently as a kid he had warts all over his hands and great granny used a special magic cloth and the warts disappeared and everyone on that side of the family talks about it like it's a thing that definitely happened so that got my match i didn't put that part in the book because you know warts are not super they're not very sexy (laughs) they're not sexy i mean they're fine but um were you able to find anything out about seraphina and like any of her powers or what she got in trouble for or anything all i found out was that she um had a great life she lived in a really cute little house with a white picket fence and had an adorable dog and just went around doing her magic and being positive and was apparently a really good cook yeah. So um, the Italian side of the family and, uh, you know, somebody said, oh, yeah, her great grandmother was one of the last people to be executed for witchcraft. But I couldn't find anything that to prove that. So we'll just say it's true. And I hope not. <laughs> I mean, and that kind of awakened this whole desire in me to find out more about witches, especially in America. And that's when I found out that uh, the very first people to be executed this is not at all romantic either. But they were in Connecticut, not Salem, which is what I always oh, thought. Oh. Yeah. So Connecticut, like I didn't 50 know that. years before Salem. Yeah. It, it, it was crazy. Salem, uh, Connecticut, who knew? They were a trendsetter for something not so great. Yeah. And at the time I was writing the book, what I also found out was that a lot of the ancestors of those people who were executed were kind of pursuing government officials to have their relatives' names be exonerated from that because it is ridiculous. Oh. And by the time I was done with the book, they succeeded. So, no. yeah. wow. There was one, I guess, guy in the Connecticut State House who didn't want to exonerate the alleged witches because he was like, well, what if they really were witches? And then we're letting them get away with it. Yeah. He said oh. that. It's like in modern wow. day time, he said that? Oh. Yes. He said that like two months. No, it was, yeah, like three months ago, May. He said it in wow. May. Wow. Oh. Yeah. 
And then wow. so many people made fun of him on social media that he was like, fine, fine. Yes, no, I, no, I don't <laughs> believe in magic. I don't. They, they can be exonerated. It's fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know it was wow. fantastic. Wow. Hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. I would like to say my book did it, but it, it hadn't come out at that point. So it did not do that at all. But it, pretty fun. So yeah, that's what Jessica's dealing with there in Connecticut is that kind of bureaucracy where, um, you know, they don't necessarily believe in witchcraft, but they kind of do. And I feel yeah, like that's like real life, do. right? Like yeah, in, yeah. in real life, we all are like, well, it's probably not true, but what if it is? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I'm already, I'm thinking like, what if your mom really does have magic powers? And oh God. You. I know she does. <laughs> yeah. like your mom always knows exactly what you're up to, and I mean, yeah. she has those kind of powers. But that's yeah, <laughs> no. mom powers. Yeah, this comes with giving birth. Yeah, that's true. We're all a little bit witchy in that way. Yeah. So one of my friends from home used to have warts like on her leg, like really bad. She kept having them removed, and they kept coming back. And a man in our town talked to them off, like literally. She went to his house. He talked to her warts. They went away. It's been like 25 years. So the warts obviously wow. never came back. So recently we were like, what did he say to your warts? And she's like, I can't tell you. And we're like, what do you mean you can't tell us? And she's like, because that's part of it. If I tell you, then they'll come back. And we're like, surely you don't believe that. And she's like, my warts went away in a day. And I've been gone for 25 years. Yes, I believe if I tell you that they will come back and I will never tell you. And we were like, cool. So we'll never that's know That's good. Oh, yes, I, I like that. <laughs> also what? Also, don't call me Shirley. Shirley, <laughs> I think that's great. Hard yeah, hard. and I believe it. I think I think there is a power. I mean, and that's kind of also what the book is about: is having, like you said, having good self-esteem, but also you know believing in something, believing in yourself, believing in the power of goodness of others. Um, and I feel like that's really important. And no, you shouldn't be telling people your spell that worked. Because I think so much of it is about your own. I got hypnotized one time. I didn't believe that hypnotism is real. Um, But someone who was a trained hypnotist was like, I can hypnotize you. And the whole time she was doing it, I was like, this is so stupid. It's not real. But I'm going to go along with it. And the thing that she hypnotized me about was not to feel guilty about a family member that I felt really guilty about something that would, would happen. But it was totally his fault. Like all of us women, you know, sure. when a man yes. says something, yeah. like, oh my God, it's my fault. But she's like, it's not your fault. And I'm going to hypnotize you not to believe that. And when I got home after she was done and I was like, ha ha, thanks. That didn't work. The news came on and someone had been found guilty. And this feeling of just relief washed over me. And I was like, I'm, I don't, I'm not guilty. That's so great that I'm not. And I was like, wait, where did that come from? Oh, oh my God. God. Like we all possess the ability to make ourselves think whatever we need to, but sometimes maybe we need somebody to point it out. So yeah, I, I, that's when I stopped feeling guilty because I was like, well, first of all, it's hypnotized (laughs) to stop feeling guilty, but also I realized, oh my God, if the hypnotism can work, it's because of something in me. Like I always knew that this wasn't my fault and now I don't even think about it anymore. It's great. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's almost like breaking the spell. A spell of guilt. It's a form Yes. Yeah. This is this is sort of a good yeah. segue to my question that is not wart related. I'll just <laughs> <laughs> so we Thank all you. sort of have this 
you know, this is another kind of deeply human need, like needing to be like cleansed of our guilt, but we all sort of have this need to feel chosen. Mm -hmm. So denied to the world, which council of witches, Jessica has never been chosen. And there's something so primal about the words, I choose you. When Derek comes to her and says, you are the chosen one after being left out of the council of witches. So I feel like this resonates with all of our inner children who were ever, or, or, Forget our inner children, our adults. I think I was better as a child. <laughs> you were hurt by being left out and, and rejoice at being chosen. So is this a theme that you saw bubbling up or when you went into the novel understanding? No, I think that it definitely was something that um, I, I feel like we do all have a need to belong to something and to be chosen. And that's why so many people are interested in ancestry and looking into their past to see if maybe, oh my gosh, do I belong to like a specific group? Um, and in my case, it was witches. <laughs> Other people's like royalty. That's kind of a theme that I return to often in my books. And um, in Jessica's case, she doesn't. She does not have any relatives who are ever witches. And I really wanted to talk about how you can still belong and feel great belief in yourself without having to have something like, oh, I had a, a witch relative, or I am related to royalty. But I do definitely think that that is just a huge need for human beings is that we want to feel like, yeah, this is this is my group. This is where I, I belong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good so point. I also was interested, like, in, in two things, are you a plotter or a pantser? But in a larger sense, when you know that you're going into a book, I mean, I'm assuming you you knew going into this book that it was going to be a series, or maybe you didn't. What's your process of like, okay, this is going to be a series, this isn't going to be a series, and do you know going in? I usually know. Yeah, I'll have, like for instance, with the Princess Diaries, I knew I wanted it to be 16 books that follows a girl all through her high school years, and each book was going to be about uh, one a couple months but okay. with the witches of west harbor i really didn't start thinking it was going to be a series until i started doing research on connecticut witches and then there was so much material which i had no idea was going to happen i chose connecticut only because i've been there and i have <laughs> friends who live there and i was like oh yeah this is good i can do the research pretty easily um because i like to choose to do books in places where i've been because yeah. i'm sure you all know what happens when you set a book somewhere you haven't been and it's a real place you get so much mail from people who are like, yeah. <laughs> you did everything wrong. So um, once I found out all this rich kind of witch history of Connecticut, I was like, okay, this has got to be a series now. I love it. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Meg, let's talk a little bit about magic. I'm going to pull a couple quotes from you. In the beginning, you say, magic isn't about the tools, but the intentions. And in an article for Entertainment Weekly, you say, but now the only people who talk about witch hunts are politicians. To nearly no. everyone else, witches are considered feminist icons, empowered, glamorous, and cool. So can you talk a little bit about the power and the curiosity uh, about witches that never ends for both you and the readers? I mean, I think we all hear it's a story about witches and we're immediately intrigued. Can you talk about that intrigue? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think that, well, for me, I just love the idea of women um, using their positive energy to make change because that's what we do. Um, but then adding a little fun element of their perhaps being magic involved as well as just their sheer will to make change. I think that's really an interesting and intriguing kind of plot. And that's always like, I love practical magic. And I was a huge fan of Sabrina growing up as a kid. Yeah. Um, just the, having that one little that's special, 
Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah. yeah. I'm still a fan. Um, I just think it's so interesting. And I think that women, especially right now, because we are so kind of being put upon and having our rights taken away to portray a world where that's kind of happening, but they are fighting back is really fun. Oh, I awesome. love that. Sort of the power within all of us. That's very cool. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about Goody Fletcher's book that starts every chapter. <laughs> is this a real book of magic or was it your own creation? Yeah, so each chapter in the book starts with a little a little section of a book that Jessica has found as a teenager um, and their magic spells or kind of more advice on how to live magically. But also there are, and that I really researched that. So no, it's not a real book, unfortunately, but it came from real um magic spells that existed in the 1600s when Goody Fletcher would have been writing this book. Um, all Northern European, some Italian, I think, but just actual real spells that were available in print. Wow. And I tweaked a couple of them just because I um, didn't want to, I don't know, I felt weird like putting the real spell in there. Most of them, I put all the ingredients in it. But um, there's a very important scene where she makes a stew and eats it in front of her, the guy that she wants to like her, which is a terrible spell. Like you can't, everybody needs consent. So she finds out later that that was a horrible thing to do, but she's a teenager. Um, so the stew is real. I left out a few ingredients because I didn't want, I, I, you know, I started yeah. kind of in YA. So I'm always like, I don't want kids to think that this is an okay thing to do. And then I forget that I'm writing for adults. And they, they, they're probably not going to make that stew and eat it in front of me. When you're desperate for love, you'll make a stew and eat it. Come on. You, you yeah. might it be was giving adults too much credit. My editor had a little um, note on one of them, and she's like, does this really work? And I'm like, wait, no. I mean, yes. I don't know. But it is a real thing that came from the 1600s, and they they used to think it worked. But yeah, the, what, the really important one, I guess, is about Earl Grey tea. I'm sure you guys have heard that Earl Grey tea, if you drink it first thing in the morning, will bring wealth to you because... Oh, never yeah. heard that. No, yeah, oh, he drinks really Earl Grey tea in the mornings. Me I got get first thing. And the wow. reason why is because it's made with bergamot, which is a type of orange found in Italy that... Um, was really only accessible to the aristocracy at the time. And a lot of people drank it because their water, like in their castles, didn't taste so good. <laughs> so they would add, they would put bergamot in their tea and it uh, made it more palatable. But it was like a rich people problem. <laughs> so now oh, it's wow. associated with, yeah, with wealth. So, oh my God, I have so many spells. Just let me know if you want. <laughs> I got it all. Great. I like that it's spell amazing. though. That's a good one. Spell. It's tasty. Yeah. yeah. It's a tasty one. <laughs> and probably like good awesome. for you too. Oh, it's a hundred percent good for you. It's filled with antioxidants. And I would really like to go to Bergamot someday and see these oranges that I've only ever tasted in tea. It'd be oh fun. Oh my gosh. And I love Earl Grey tea. Good, good yeah. to know that I'm on the road to wealth. So yeah. any, any, any day now, any day now, Thank it's going to kick in. Mary Kay, it's not these amazing 30 books you've written. It, yeah. It's your Earl Grey tea. That's <laughs> It's tea. I gave it. Just literally spilled the tea to my success. <laughs> I gave it. I told my friend, a friend of mine who was trying to sell his house that he should be drinking Earl Grey tea and he tried it and he hated it. So he later he showed me he was just carrying the tea bag in his wallet. Oh, he's <laughs> like, well, this worked. And, and it did work. I mean, it's house sold. So I, I mean, I don't know. That, he has a lovely house. So that's probably why it sold. But <laughs> it helped. It helped him to feel better about the situation. Yeah. Like he had more control. 
which I, I think like is it. also a very important part of witchcraft that you just feel like, okay, I've done everything I can. Yes. Now I'm yeah. up to fate. I, I love that. All right, Meg, a minute ago, you mentioned starting in YA, having written YA books in the past. And of course, we cannot have you on the show without talking about The Princess Diaries, which is, uh, it was just so important, I think, to so many people. I loved The Princess Diaries. I mean, oh, I, it's, I, I'm, I'm a fan, Meg, and I'm so excited that we're finally getting to talk to you about it. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about and how it felt when it went what would now be called viral? Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's funny because when you asked me what the real, what I think the book is really about, about Enchanted to Me, I was like, you know, that's a great question for Princess Diaries because mm -hmm. to me, the Princess Diaries, everybody thinks it's about a girl who finds out that she's a princess. Um, to me, it's about a girl whose mom is dating one of her teachers because <laughs> that's what happened. Like I, my mom started dating one of my teachers after my dad passed away and it was so gross. <laughs> oh, I got to see my mom and my teacher together at Christmas time. And I was 30 at the time, just FYI. I just was so grossed out. So I started writing a diary on a young girl who um, her mom's dating her teacher and then nothing there, there was there was no plot there so I was like what could happen oh as a lark I was like I'm gonna make her turn out to be a princess and that's what everybody latched on to it got rejected a lot like it got, was rejected for really? a long no time way. yeah yeah I, like everyone in New York City all the traditionalists <laughs> rejected it um and even it went to Whitney Houston who she had the production company at that time and they immediately pounced on it and we're like now we're gonna make a movie um, and even then, nobody wanted to publish it. And then finally, like, this new girl had just started at Harbor um, that day. And she was like, I'll take it for, you know, a very oh low gosh. amount of money. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be 16 books. It's going to be this huge series. And she's like, let's just do one book at a time. Okay, <laughs> just like, calm oh down. They're not even going to make this movie. It's not going to happen. But then um, I was working my day job and I kept getting phone calls from people at Disney saying, you know, this is what we're doing. And there's this character of the dad. We have to kill him off because we have an actress who's really great. We want her to come in and play the grandmother. But there's not enough lines the way it is right now. So we figure if we kill the dad, she can have more dialogue. Oh, and I was like, well, so interesting. who's the actress? And they said, oh, it's Julie Andrews. Julie and Andrews. Like, oh, my God. I've heard of her. Kill the dad. dad. Kill, Kill the dad. Who cares? That's yeah. incredible. He's and I'm, like, at my job, and they're calling me and telling me all this stuff. And um, I still didn't think the movie would get made, but then it did. And then I quit my job. Hi. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> do you know how encouraging this is for people who are getting rejections? Like, yeah. oh, that's a good Princess point. Diary got oh rejected. God. Come on. Let's, let's take a step. Back, yeah, right? and I hadn't. Yeah, I didn't know that much about YA. Or, I hate to say that because it sounds very uninformed. But there wasn't like a lot of YA at that yeah. time. It was like Judy Bloom yeah. and a couple other people. Um, but so I started doing school visits because that's as a YA author, that's what you do. And I would take all my rejections, like this huge U U.S. mailbag filled with rejections, and I would dump it out all dramatically and be to the kids. I'd be like, "This is what you can expect if you're going to be a writer. You have to <laughs> get over it." And the teachers were like. Can you stop doing that? Because you're freaking the kids out. And like, we're trying to make them be positive, but you are so depressing. I'm like, oh, being a writer is depressing? What are you saying? No, this is what, they need to toughen up, these kids. 
So I don't do that anymore. It's just like, that's like showing young girls pictures of being in labor. (laughs) You're going to be a parent. Like, you get this. They should think about it, though. I mean, it's important. I was like, great idea. Yeah. You you know, I have to say that what I like about that story, too, isn't just the lesson that writers should keep persisting. It's that there's a place for all of us. I mean, you you know, you were basically being told this story isn't going to work. And it worked in such an enormous way that it that it created a pathway to shape a genre. I mean, you shaped this genre of YA with this thing that initially people said this isn't for us. I mean, I think that that's such an incredible life lesson that if you believe in something, you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and trying. I, I'm so glad Thank you shared you. that with us, with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that I really was going to quit a lot. Like yeah. I, I was like, clearly the universe is telling me that I shouldn't be, I should, I was going to go to graduate school and become a therapist, art therapist specifically. And um, my husband was like, you know, I love to play golf and I'm not very good at it, but I'm not going to quit playing golf just because yeah. everybody tells me I'm not good at it. So if you love doing this, keep doing it. Who cares? And that was really literally the only reason that I didn't quit was because I was like, yeah, it's like golf. (laughs) Why would you quit? Just because people say you're no good at it. If you like it, keep doing it. You know, really, um, you know, a man can always come up with a sports metaphor. Every every damn time. My husband will say to me, you miss a hundred percent of the swings you don't take. (laughs) And in Mary King language, that's a, that's a, you, you don't ask, you don't get. That's yeah. true. Change the language, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And for the one I am talking to kids about it now, I don't bring the giant bag of rejections, but I say, you know, if you, if I quit after whatever the 50th rejection, I wouldn't be here talking to you yeah. right now. So it's really, if you love it, then you should stick with it. If you don't like it, then obviously you should quit and try something else. But yeah. I always believe in the power of um, sticking with it if you like it. Well, it's the quote we did earlier on magic. It's not about the tools. It's the intention, like the intention to keep. Oh, that was good. How you brought that around. (laughs) I like that. Thank you. My work here is done, Meg. Yeah. You've been drinking some Earl Grey. And now I can have some Earl Grey tea. I was interested to see how you were going to bring this back to your question. And you really nailed it. (laughs) That was great. But I do want to ask you, because you have so many novels and such a wide range of novels. And in this novel, you have a love interest who is tall and dark with the mysterious past, kind of like, I don't know, John Hayward, and a distaste for vampires, like insatiable, and love spells gone wrong. You just mentioned Jinx. So was it deliberate, including elements, or like I always say, you just take from your own compost pile and mix it up? I think anybody who's written a, a lot of books doesn't have any idea. And I was so relieved when I met other romance writers and they didn't remember like, things. We I, don't about that. No, same, I, I love same. that because I think it's just, you know, you have the real world and then you have your book world and yep. you know, there's enough in both that you can't keep track of everything. So, and I think that's okay. And I actually yeah. love the story. I went to um, George R.R. R. Martin who did Game of Thrones. I went to his bookstore first time he was actually there he was so nice but he's like yeah i remember one time he had a guy who's i don't remember which books his were but his horse his horse's name changed between books because he forgot and yeah. he's like i've never gotten so much mail and i was like oh my god thank god because i've had people's yeah. eye colors change between books and yeah. oh my god it's you just you got to keep a story bible is what i yes. discovered you have to if you got a clear a series just and 
write it all down. Even then, it's it's impossible to keep track of every little thing, you know? A hundred percent. You forget who somebody's siblings are, and then your readers will tell you. And I love that. I think that's why I love the reading world, because they're so into it. And I'm the same way about stories that I love. I'll be like, wait, what's in in that? And of course, the author has no idea, because they forgot, because they moved on. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about your writing life. You started writing in second grade when another student had her story posted and you didn't. Um, And I love the story about your childhood. Your first novel was a historical romance called when roses grow wild. Would you talk about your writing career and, and now that you have over 50 novels and when will, when can we see when roses grow grow wild? When can we expect that? (laughs) Well, that was actually my first published book, but under a different name. So it is, it's not out there. I think it's out of print now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it came out in 98, I think. And um, it was very ill received by (laughs) Romantic Times Magazine. Does anyone remember Romantic Times Magazine? Yes. Yes. um, Conference. They hated it. But, um, you know, (laughs) a few people liked it. So I was able to write some more historical romances. And but yeah, I chose the name of my um, grandmother, Patricia and uh, Patricia Cabot. And somehow I thought she wouldn't find out that I was writing these naughty books, but she did. So um, and she loved them. She, she loved them. So that was great. But um, I just I started writing um, contemporary and with the Princess Diaries. And after that, I was like, this is much easier <laughs> as you don't have to research all this, like what does the inside of the carriage look like? So um, I've been sticking with that, but yeah. Um, that's so funny about the front, the classmate whose story was posted. It was Vicky, her name was Vicky. <laughs> I'll never forget, Vicky's story was so good. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so where fun. Vicky is now, but she was such an inspiration. And I do believe in that. <laughs> The anger can be a motivator. <laughs> when you're true. so angry, you can get the job done because you're like, I'm going to get Vicky. <laughs> the last thing I do. That's what this is Vicky all. is not going to have the last say on this situation. <laughs> she had everything. So now, now a little better. Yeah. Wonder yeah. where Vicky is now. <laughs> she, she those, like, I don't know. This is really dating myself, but she had those go-go boots like in second grade that <laughs> girls would wear. And the mod squad and stuff and I was like mom I need some go-go, go-go boots like Vicky and she's like no you're nine you're not wearing go-go boots to school my mother my mother bought my little sister and me those white go-go boots yes! but, they did, but they didn't have a zipper because they were like <laughs> from the bargain store so it's like they don't count without the zipper i know that's not the same oh i'm so sorry that's, like that's why I, that's how i ended up like this <laughs> you're dead you're gonna get like 10 pairs of legit go-go boots no, I, had, I had the bootleg go-go boots oh very my sad. god oh, i feel like those like I feel like we've really gone deep here today, Meg. And I, I know you didn't go back to school for therapy, but it's really just coming out of you. Yeah, anyway. yeah. you can see why. Yeah, I have to get hypnotized frequently because I have all these memories of the go-go boots I never got. The trauma. The go-go trauma. Vicky, trauma. your brother, all of them. Oh like, my God! Yeah. The thing, the only thing that Vicky. I find. 
I think the thing is that writing is therapeutic and that's probably why I've written so many books. And yeah. those of us who've written a lot, that's why, because we had to get out all of our trauma. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next two years, just a little bit. We mentioned um, that EW article earlier and you shared some of your favorite things for spooky season. So can you share some of those with us? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, there's I'm obsessed. So I just want to say I love supernatural stuff. I love the show Supernatural, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed. Um, obviously Sabrina and all her versions. I like movies with witches. I mentioned practical magic, but the, what really got me started was books. And one of my favorite books when I was a kid was called uh, the witch of Blackbird pond, which I'm sure if you haven't read it, you should go back and read it again. Cause that's great. Um, it's a historical, that. isn't it good? It's got a romance what about in the it. one about to witch mountain where the kids oh, went yeah. up oh, escape to witch way. mountain. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. that's a great movie too. Bed yep. knobs and broomsticks. Like I yes, forgot bed knobs and bed knobs and broomsticks. She, so good. She, it's Angela Lansbury and she's yeah. fighting Nazis with witchcraft. So it's yep. a great retro. Great, great bedtime story. And if, you yeah, go, exactly. if you want to go <laughs> way, so way though. back and watch a gorgeous old black and white bell book and candle. Yes. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. With Jimmy Stewart, right? It's Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, I think. Yeah. And she um, has the cat is a major, major star, I think. Um, yeah, that's great. It's also a play. Uh, I actually did that in high school. With oh my gosh. But it had kissing in it. So I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to kiss this guy. So <laughs> we, we ended it. We ended it right before the kiss. But it, I was, a t I was a teenager and I was like, oh, what's that? And you so, know what? Yeah, you didn't have really logo good. boots. So you weren't like, you weren't ready for that. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't cool. I was not cool. You were not there yet. I didn't kiss anyone. So I wasn't going to do my first kiss on stage. No. Fair enough. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> one. And there's just so much great witch stuff out there. So I think that if you want to, especially positive stuff um, with good witches, yeah. Yeah. not that there's bad or good magic, but there's, kind of is like bad intentioned magic is not yep. as we oh, learned right and enchanted to me it's not good yeah right back to intentions oh my gosh okay everybody out there all right we have one last question for meg but first we want to remind all of you to head over to friendsandfiction.com to find out more about our podcast how to sign up for our newsletter which includes exclusive q a's with our guests meg gave us the most fun q a and you will get to read it but only if you subscribe to the newsletter and it's totally free as is subscribing to our podcast. So make sure you're signed up at friendsandfiction.com. So Meg, before we let you go, which has been such a fun evening, my yes. cheeks hurt from laughing and I have a new view of go-go boots and <laughs> bergamot and tea, <laughs> but where can our viewers find you on the road or online as this book is coming out in the world? Um, Megcabot.com. You can check it for updates. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram too. Not TikTok yet. I actually have a TikTok, but I don't go on there because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and the book should be everywhere where books are sold. There's an audio version too that's great. Um, Piper Goody plays Jessica, and there's actually this is one where they did a guy too. So I have like a, oh, a, nice. a oh, good. I know dual narration. It's very. This, I think my first one like that. And um, thank you. This has been so fun. We have been so happy having you. you. Yeah. You're a delight, Meg. It's delightful as your book. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Meg. Thanks. Thanks so much. You put a spell on us. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, right. You did. Thanks. You did. All right, everyone. Don't forget that you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We will be back next week to welcome Tess Gerritsen, author of The Spy Coast, a book I could not put down without thinking about it until I could pick it back up again. Don't forget to get Enchanted to meet you out right now at the friendsandfictionbookshop.org page. And don't miss next week. We have such a fun episode in store. And thanks for being with us. Have an amazing week, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.